Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter at Cleveland.com, Mr. Chris Fedor, who is fresh off of a road trip and very, very tired, I'm sure. Uh, at least you came back to some good weather, Chris. Yeah, I mean, that's always nice. If I would have landed in 20, 30 degree snow, it probably would have affected my mood a little bit more. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, fortunately today in Cleveland, about 75 and partly cloudy. So really, really nice here. Um, and also the Cavaliers had a pretty nice road trip, um, you know, which has been a little bit different from where they have been. Uh, they obviously lost the first one to the Miami Heat, but won the next two uh, in San Antonio and against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And in those games, um, we saw some good things. We definitely saw some good things from the Cavaliers. Um, we saw Darius, or me, we saw Darius Garland um, have a career high in points, which was certainly something that was a welcome sight for Cavaliers fans. Um, and then, you know, the the next one, another big one for the Cavaliers. So, Chris, I want to talk to, about a couple things here that you wrote about this week, and I think we've been talking about it all year. Um, that this rebuild per se mm -hmm. you know we've been talking about okay even if they don't win this year even if they're, they're not playoff you know um, contenders this year they can still have a successful season and that's pretty much exactly what jb bickerstaff says is that you can't live and die with every victory or every loss right so you wrote you know it's a subscriber exclusive and you can subscribe to uh to cleveland.com um by going to the cleveland.com slash calves and if you see a subscriber um subscriber only article then you can go click on it and then you, they will give you prompt prompts to sign up for the um sign up for cleveland.com so you can get that information but uh it's a subscriber exclusive article but chris it's a good one because we've been talking about that all year we've been talking about the fact that the cavaliers wins and losses aren't necessarily the be-all end-all it's more about you know internal development of players and certainly when you see a, a game like darius garland had career points um, you know, I think Kevin Love was the one that said you kind of saw Darius light up and, and see that maybe he can, you know, develop into a really, really, really good player. So what was your takeaway from some of the things that you saw over this road trip? I just think the team's getting better. I think that's what it comes down to. They're playing the right way. They're doing the things that J.P. Bickerstaff wants them to do on a nightly basis. And it doesn't mean they're a great team, right? And it doesn't mean that every night is going to be like it was against San Antonio or like it was against Oklahoma City. But they're mm -hmm. capable of these kinds of nights, especially against that kind of competition. Um, and even if they don't win games throughout the rest of this year, as long as they play that kind of way, unselfish on offense, um, a free-flowing team that is going to space the floor and play a modern style that you think is going to work into the future. Um, if they continue to make a rise on the defensive end of the floor, which they have, they went through that stretch, Hayden, if you remember, where they were just hit with so many different injuries that they just weren't able to defend at the same kind of level. Um, and they weren't defending at the same kind of level. But now they're right back middle of the pack defensively for a team that is starting a six foot one, six foot one backcourt tandem of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Like that's functional moving forward. You believe that that can work moving forward with that kind of effort on the defensive end. So as long as they're doing those kinds of things, as I've been saying from the very beginning of the year, 
it's not solely about the end result. It's about the process. And the process points to them going in the right direction. And the process shows that there are a lot of positive things happening with the Cavs, even though their record is only 19 and 32 and they're 12th in the Eastern Conference at this point. So nobody asked about math, but I'm going to do a little math anyway. So the Cavaliers just tied last year's uh, win total of 19. Yep. And 21 was, games to top that. Correct. All right. Perfect. I was going to say 21 and I, I hit the nail on the head. So 21 games to top that. Um, and that's, you know, that's an, that's a significant number. I mean, the Cavaliers are only playing 72 games this year and, uh, for them to already have 19 under their belt uh, with 21 to play, I mean, you could think maybe they get to 20, 24, 25, and that would be a significant improvement. Um, and we've been talking about improvement all year. It's just, you know, individually we've been talking about improvement. As a team, we've been talking about improvement. What is it about, you know, just the the late uh, the things lately, as you said, kind of, you know, playing together, playing, you know, the basketball that they, they want to see? Is this just a matter of guys just starting to get it more or has there been anything specific where, the, you know, where they're really locking in at this point? Or could it even be the return of, you know, a guy like Kevin Love who can definitely help them uh, in many different ways? Yeah. I mean, that's it. <laughs> I think people forgot how important Kevin Love was and how good he can be when healthy. Like, nobody's talking about him as an all-star, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean that he can't be effective, especially for this group. I mean, Darius Garland has been talking about it for the last couple of days, Hayden. Isaac Okoro even mentioned it. Colin Sexton's been talking about it. Kevin takes attention of the defense. Every single time he's on the floor, you know where number zero is going to be. If he's going to pick and roll, the guy's going to roll with him. If he's going to pick and pop, they're going to flash out to the three-point line to not give him space to fire. So the Cavs' young guards are getting space that they didn't have. And this is no offense to Larry Nance Jr. He was playing really, really well this year. He did a good job filling in for Kevin Love. But I wrote this, and we talked about it. Larry's not Kevin. No. Kevin's a Hall of Famer. Yep. Kevin is a threat every time he steps on the floor, everywhere he goes. He is a name on the scouting report that defenses are going to gravitate towards. And that gravity is going to create space for Isaac Okoro that he didn't have to drive to the basket and attack the rim and do the things that he did best in college. And it's going to create driving lanes for Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. It's going to keep defenses from throwing box and one looks at Colin. It's going to keep defenses from trapping Darius. You know what I mean? Like some yep. of the things that opponents were doing against the Cavs because they didn't have Kevin, they can't do that anymore. And he doesn't have to score 20 to 25 points to have that kind of effect or that kind of impact on the success and failure of this team. We can't. So I think it starts there. I mean, like if we're having the conversation about what changed, like it starts there. Kevin unlocks a part of this offense. The way that I've put it is not only does he raise the floor of this team, but he also raises their ceiling at the same time. So it starts there. Delhi has helped a lot. I think you see the value of what a secondary ball handler and a secondary creator does for this offense in general. And I think you've seen what it does for both Darius Garland and Colin Sexton so that they don't have to Well, Chris, we lost you for a second there. 
Where did Chris go? <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Looks like we lost Chris for a second. Maybe it's just a muting issue. Um, but we hope to have him back shortly. Um, in the meantime, he was just discussing Matthew Delavidova. Matthew Delavidova coming back and helping this team. Absolutely. I mean, just helping these young guards. And, and since he's been started back, around there a little bit. Chris, we uh, we lost you for a second there. I don't know what happened, but I think uh, I lost you. Was I still lost me? <laughs> no, we we lost each other. But I I kind of um, uh, filibuster for a couple of seconds there, but it wasn't too long. So hopefully we got some of your answer, but or most of your answer. We did get most of your answer and most of what you were discussing in regards to Matthew Delavidova and Kevin Love and helping this team out. You know, we've we've you mentioned Delhi, and I was going to bring that up. I mean, that's another thing that certainly has probably helped these young. Um, these young guards. I mean, Delhi, since he's been on the bench, has is, is been, you know, not only a bit of a coach, but now that he's starting to play, you know, they've obviously needed a little bit of a backup point guard. I think that that definitely plays into things as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not even the fact that it's a backup point guard, right? It's it's about what he does um, when he's out there on the court. It's He's a secondary ball handler. He's a secondary creator. Um, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton don't have to do everything. And if you think about it, at the beginning of the season, Hayden, you know, there was a plan to run a lot of the offense through some combination of Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., Matthew Dellavedova, and Kevin Porter Jr. even as kind yeah. of like a de facto point guard, which yeah. would allow Colin Sexton and Darius Garland um, at times to play away from the ball where they don't garner the full attention of the defense, especially Colin, um, even though Darius has shown some ability to play off the ball from time to time. It, it's more about Colin, right? When Colin has the ball and he's got to initiate and finish and create on his own or for his teammates, like all eyes are on him. The defense can do different things um, to try and take the ball out of his hands throw extra bodies at him, whatever the case may be. Um, this diversifies the offense. This allows Colin to not have to operate and work so hard for his offense. And, and it allows the Cavs to run a freer offense with an experienced player in Matthew Dellavedova, while not as talented as Darius or Colin, but more experienced and has more of an understanding of how to attack some of these complex defenses. And it's no knock on Colin or Darius. They just haven't been around long enough to have that same kind of experience, that same kind of knowledge that Delhi does. Um, he stabilizes this group in a way that young kids are not going to stabilize it. Another welcome addition has certainly been Isaiah Hardenstein, who's, you know, he's been, been able to great, have right? Yeah, he's been able to have an impact. I mean, you know, we were talking, okay, maybe this is just going to be a stopgap until Jared Allen and and, um, and Larry Nance Jr. come back, and both of them are still kind of dealing with things. So he's been in, he's been good, and maybe this is what they saw. I mean, his last game against Oklahoma City at 8-12 and 12, uh, was 3-4 of four from the field. Um, this is kind of what they envisioned, I mean, in bringing in kind of a young developmental big to you know I, I i like what i've seen thus far and i think that only you can you can only hope that that's going to continue to get better as that as they work with them i gotta correct you they did not envision this no okay fair fair in an honest moment nobody would say that they're envisioning 
near double double, five to seven assists, no chance. Right. Um, he has been more effective on the offensive end than I thought he could be. You know, he gets the ball and he looks to try and create, and guys start cutting away from the ball, and he just adds. This is crazy to think about because he's a backup center, but he adds a different dimension offensively. You can run offense through him. As mm-hmm. strange as that sounds, Hayden, he has shown in these first five games with seven assists against Utah, six last night against Oklahoma City, three more against San Antonio. Like he can be a hub of the offense where all of a sudden you give him the ball and you run action off of him or away from him. That's hugely important for this kind of team, especially the second unit that was looking for somebody um, to be that kind of player uh, while Larry Nance Jr. or Kevin Love, one of the two, was missing, and when Torian Prince was missing as well. What do you think will happen with Hardenstein when when Larry Nance Jr. and Jared Allen get back? I mean, you know, they obviously Jared yeah, Allen. I don't know. That remains to be seen. I think it's a good problem to have. Um, yeah, I'll say this: like, is as much as the Cavs like the spacing that they get with the five out lineup of of Dean Wade and Kevin Love in the starting group, um, and and that's something they're probably going to lean on more throughout uh, the remainder of of these months. Um, I guess it's a little bit more than a month at this point in time. Yeah. This is all about earning it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Isaiah Hartenstein has earned minutes. And the other thing is he's a natural center in the way that Kevin Love isn't. Larry Ninch Jr. isn't. Dean Wade isn't. So I think it might actually be matchup dependent based on what they need on that given night. But I think that's important, Hayden, because I think every team in the NBA that has any kind of playoff aspirations, and the Cavs do, as silly as it may seem to some, the Cavs do, uh, you have to be able to play a variety of different ways. You have to be able to run out a variety of different lineups. So if you want to play big, you can go with Big Hartenstein. Um, If you want to play smaller with more spacing, then you use Kevin and Dean or maybe use Kevin and Larry. Um, Jared Allen obviously is going to be the starting center when he comes back. You saw the kind of impact that he has at both ends of the floor. He's the center of the future. He works really well with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Um, He's the anchor of the defense. So his minutes are safe. It's just fluctuating between Hartenstein, Dean Wade, Kevin Love minutes at the five, any other guy that you think could occupy the five. And here's something else to consider, too. Um, you know, their wing spot, the three position, has become a little bit problematic because Jetty is unplayable at this point in time. And Dylan Windler, before he suffered the knee soreness, was going to be out of the rotation. He was bumped from the rotation by the coaching staff. Um, so that left the Cavs with really Isaiah, um, Isaac Okoro, and Torian Prince. Um, I think they're probably going to explore to try and get Nance on the floor more and maybe still play Hartenstein. I think they're going to go back and explore that Larry Nance Jr. at the three lineup and see how that functions with Kevin Love out there as well. That would be interesting. That would be really interesting. 
to yeah. bring Larry at the three. I mean, that would that would cause matchup problems, but also might create matchup problems. Um, right. For the Cavaliers, so that would be. An, I mean, obviously, you know, they're definitely in. Um, you know, they want to win every game they play, but certainly that would be something that they could look for. You know, both in the short term and for the future. Um, if you would have told me though, Chris, if you would have told me before the season that Dean Wade would be starting for the Cavaliers and Jetty <laughs> Austin would be on the bench, Dylan Windler would be on the bench, and they'd be better off than they were last year, I would have thought you were nuts. So it's just it goes to show you that you know these kids, some of these guys are making an impact. I mean, um, it, it's been it's been a it's been a weird, but also you know at this point somewhat successful season in terms of more um, development and kind of guys stepping up and earning spots. Look, the truth is, I think the Cavs would be a play-in team right now if Kevin Love would have been healthy. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Um, so that's why, like, that's why a view of this rebuild or a view of success shouldn't change based on that variable. You know what I mean? Yep. It shouldn't. Like, the view of this team should not change based on that particular variable. Um, there was a reality of what the Cavs were dealing with. Like, how many teams in the middle of a rebuild lose that level of talent for that long a stretch and survive, right? And grow and develop and progress in a positive way. It's very few, to be honest. Yeah, not too many. And for the Cavs to do that, um, and in, in some games, it was solely on the back of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, the backcourt of the future. That speaks to a lot of positives, I think that are going on behind the scenes with this rebuild. Um, and not only that, like, it's also Matthew Dellavedova who could have been a key piece of the rotation for the 40 plus games that he missed as well. I mean, think about it. They, they tried signing Yogi Ferrell. They tried signing Quinn Cook. They used Damian Dotson as a backup ball handler. Mm-hmm. How many of those losses could have turned into wins or how many of those blowouts could have turned into "quote unquote" good losses, if you want to classify them as such? Um, if Kevin would have been there, and if Delhi would have been there, it would have been a lot different. I'll tell you that for sure. And now you're dealing with, you know, Larry Nance Jr. has, has missed quite a few games due to different things. I mean, uh, he has only played. Think about this, Hayden. They've played 51 games, right, at this point. Correct. Nance has played 29. Yeah. He's almost missed half the season. Yep. And we all know how important Larry is to them winning games and them um, being a respectable, let's put it that way, a respectable defensive team. So Larry Nance missed 29, or played no, 29. Played 29. Played 29. Sorry, excuse me. Um Kevin Love has missed all but eight yeah. this year. Uh, right. uh, Matthew Dellavedova is even less than that. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's that's a significant, significant portion of the season. And maybe that's just what they had. You know, maybe that will end up being a very hugely developmental thing for them. Mm. Uh, because, you know, you had the onus on Isaac Okor. You had the onus on Darius Garland. You had the onus on, mostly on Colin Sexton, without those guys you know, really 
being able to contribute night in and night out the way that Colin Darius and Isaac Aguero have. So maybe maybe it will bode well for the future because maybe they have seen how difficult it can be when they don't have any help. And now, okay, now they have some talent back. Now they have some veteran leadership back. They'll learn a little more. They'll grow a little more together. Um, maybe it'll end up being a good thing, you know, in the long run that they went through this kind of tough stretch without some of their key veterans. I think it will. Yeah. I absolutely think it will in terms of the development in terms of the things that Darius saw from defenses, right? In terms of the things that Colin saw from defenses and learning how to attack those and learning how to make adjustments on the fly and being adaptable. All those different things I think are absolutely going to help. Um, the ball was in the hands of Darius Garland more. The ball was in the hands of Colin Sexton more. Like that kind of experience, while everything was on them, Success and failure really was on them on a nightly basis. Yeah, definitely. As long as they didn't get broken by it, as long as the team stayed together through it, I think it can absolutely be a benefit. And all indications are like, these guys have gotten through it and they stayed together as a team. They didn't crack. Like, yeah, there were moments of frustration, right? There were nights where they lost it. Uh, they started pointing fingers. The body language dipped throughout. But, you know, those were momentary um, feelings that dissipated. It's not like it lingered into the next game or into the next week or into the next month or things along those lines. I had a thought in my head, and I know you're probably yeah. not going to make it, but oh, no. <laughs> do you ever think about what Kevin Porter Jr. would have added to this team? When yes, I of course. I mean... It, Seeing what he's doing in Houston, you know, not that they're any good, but seeing like it just it it makes you just like like it, it, it could drive you crazy. I mean, I'm sure the Cavaliers front office sits there and it's just like, man, there's nothing more we could have done. We did everything we could do for this kid. But like, oh, the talent is so there. It's not only the talent that's there, Hayden. It's the kind of skill set that he was going to bring. Right. I think one thing that the Cavs have learned and we've learned during this Delhi stretch since he came back is just the benefit um, for Darius and for Colin to have another creator and another playmaker. So when we start projecting forward and we're looking at the, the next year's draft class, right? You have to remember if, if you're somebody out there that thinks they're missing KPJ because of the skill set that he brings to the table, then that means you're fine with them adding another guard. Yeah. And that's something that they do need, despite the fact that, yes, they have Darius and Colin and they drafted Isaac Okoro. They need that other guy who can take pressure off of those guys and he can initiate and he can play make. And he can create for himself and he can create for others. Look at what Colin Sexton has done since Delhi came back. Look at what, and, and it's not just Delhi, it's also Kevin Love because he can play that playmaker role too. He can pass. You can run offense through him. But that is so, so important, I think, to the growth of this organization is to find somebody with that skill set of KPJ, that skill set that they lost when they decided to move on from him or when he forced them to move on from him. I think that's probably the better way to phrase it. Yeah, definitely the, the way that, that I would phrase it, too, is, you know, they he forced their hand and 
It's it is unfortunate though. I mean, you see what he's doing with the Rockets, and you know he's looking much like he looked when he was with Cleveland last year. So, um, you know, I, I think that as long as all the off the court stuff continues to get go in the right direction, I think, you know, his career could really you know start to take off. Um, you mentioned Dylan Windler, and I think, you know, I think that we had not high expectations, maybe, but. Yeah. You know, maybe just a little more of an expectation for him because he's a little bit older, because, right. um, you know, because he's been a little more experienced. But there is something to be said for the injuries and there's something to be, something to be said for um, him being essentially a rookie in the NBA. Is it is it more of just like, what do you think has been going on with Dylan? Well, I think it's the natural growing pains of a rookie. Yeah, I think he's got a really, really difficult role. Um, he plays a very difficult position, and um, towards the end of when the Cavs were ready to pull him out of the rotation, he didn't seem healthy. He didn't right. seem like he was moving well. He was kind of stumbling all over himself. Um, so, look, I mean, I, I think... It's hard, you're right, because he is 24, so he doesn't have the same leash in terms of developmental upside. Mm -hmm. But if you think about his rookie class, all of those guys played their rookie season, and they had an opportunity to shake off the rust, to go through the growing pains, to learn the NBA, to learn how to adapt to the lifestyle in the NBA, to learn how to take care of their body, like all those different things. You only learn those things by going through them. He didn't get that. He also didn't get an opportunity to work on his game because he was rehabbing an injury the whole time. So, like, he started further back than everybody, despite the fact that he was older than a lot of the guys. He started further back than a lot of the guys in the draft class. True. And he had to get himself back healthy before he could start working on his game. Whereas everybody else got to work on their game. They got to see what worked, what didn't work. And then they went into the offseason and said, okay, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on this. Uh, Dylan didn't do that. He had no baseline to go off of. He had no knowledge that he gained throughout his rookie season. Like, yeah, he watched from the sidelines and he was on trips and he participated in film sessions and he was part of coaches meetings and all those different things. But that's not the same as playing and actually feeling it. So I think he's going through what a lot of rookies go through. It's just he's older and you don't see him as much as a rookie because he was drafted in 2019 as opposed to 2020. Yeah, it's uh, it's it. It definitely is a growing process for all these guys, especially given everything that they've endured. I mean, for the rookies of 2020 and 2019, and I mean, to have gone through all this with the pandemic, it's just got to be the most interesting ride of any kind of rookie class or any kind of group of rookies or group of young players, any, like, any of any point in the NBA. It's just been incredibly difficult. So, But it uh, was even more so on him, though, and, and you're yeah. right, but it was even more so on him because he couldn't physically work on his game yeah. because his body wouldn't allow him to do that. It was all trying to get healthy. His entire rookie season, Hayden, was about trying to get healthy. It wasn't about playing basketball. It wasn't about improving his outside shot. It wasn't about improving his handle. He was rehabbing. 
his entire rookie season. Think about that. And it's not like he's this wondrous talent, first overall pick, top five pick, top 10 pick. He was a late first round pick. So it's not like he has the talent, the natural talent, the natural ability to overcome those other things, right? His game is so much predicated on rhythm and timing and cutting and shooting. And he didn't have the time to work on it. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. And then at the beginning of the year, you know, having the bro- having the wrist issue and the hand issue, it's like, you know, that's probably held him back further, you know, as well. You think? Of course yeah. it did. Right. So uh, <laughs> I, I do feel a little, I mean, I feel pretty bad for him, but it's just kind of been tough break after tough break. But really um, I don't think that, you know, they'd be in a position to where they'll give up on him anytime soon, especially given... Um, you know, Jetty struggles and that, you know, their need for, you know, their need for production at that position. Well, define give up. Uh, like, move on. Look, they're not going to move on. He's really, really cheap and he's young. Right. But That's when you're saying. projecting forward in terms of, like, what you need, suddenly you have to put wing near the top of that list again. Because Jetty in it, Dylan in it. Yeah. I love Isaac. I the things that he has shown, especially offensively, the growth that he has made offensively, I always believed in him. And I feel like he is starting to get it more offensively and he's starting to learn how he can make an impact with this group offensively. But he's so, still not he's still not gonna be that you know, that playmaker, that guy who can who can get his own, I don't I don't believe. Like, no, he's a different kind of wing. Right. But they still and, need you're right, they still need that kind of playmaking wing. Yeah, exactly right. And they have not had it thus far. Um No, and think about that, by the way. That is a very, very important position in the NBA. Oftentimes that position determines series and playoffs. Oftentimes that position will get you a couple of wins throughout the course of the season. Um, They have gotten very little consistent offensive production from that spot, and yet they're still at 19 wins. I would venture to say that they got the best ever production at that spot for about four years. (laughs) So so maybe four years of not so much production, you know, it kind of balanced, the world balances itself out, I, I guess. You know, that's, I mean, they, it's been the biggest hole ever to fill, um, literally, just because of the impact that a certain 23 had there uh, in that position. So, um, and it's, by the way, it's one of the hardest things to find in the NBA. It is at a premium. Yes. It's yes, not easy to trade for guys like that. The price to sign, think about what Jeremy Grant went for this offseason in free agency. Mm hmm. And it was Jeremy Grant, right? Like, people didn't think he would be this. He has become this, where he's in the most improved player conversation, and where a lot of people are saying, hey, maybe the Detroit Pistons have a centerpiece of their rebuild. But before he got to Detroit, like, he was a high-level role player for the Denver Nuggets. He was essentially... A three and D type guy, um, and he got a monstrous contract this past off season. 
because guys like him with that size, that skill set, that upside even, those guys are really, really hard to find, Hayden. Speaking of forwards and not so much... uh... He averaged 12 points per game for the Nuggets last year. Think about that. Hard work. And he got... Dedication. (laughs) Well, and yet, he still got a massive contract. That is true. And um, as I was saying before, you know, before you mentioned that, and I, not, not that you were interrupting, it was a, a well-taken point. Um, speaking of forwards, the Cavaliers added another one. Um, and Good luck. Say it. Do it. No, do it. I really don't want to. <laughs> I can do the last name. Yeah, The last name is easy. Kevin Gelly, right? Kevin Gelly? Kevin Gelly. Kevin Gelly. All right. All right, now okay, let's go through this. Is it, is it, is it, is the M silent or is it Mfiondu? The M, to my knowledge, is silent. So it's Fiondu. Yeah, I believe so. Fiondu Cavangeli. Yeah, I remember having conversations with people inside the Cavs organization and people around the NBA at the time, because if you remember the Cavs had the 26th pick in mm-hmm. 2019, which was used on Dylan, um, Gavin Gelly was in the conversation and the Cavs met with him before the draft. So Got it. to my knowledge in talking with people that far back, the M is not pronounced. Okay. Fiondu Cavangeli. Yes. Love it. So, I, I mean, basically, this correct. is another one of their kind of hoping to catch fire or lightning in a bottle signings. It's a 10-day contract. Um, obviously, Larry Nance has been out and, you know, Jared Allen's been out, so maybe they need a little size. Um, what, you know, what is the – I guess the hope is that, you know, he really decides to, you know, play up to that caliber that they that they were scouting back in 2019. But um, at the you know for now, I mean, what 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 are they going to do in terms of getting him on the floor? In terms of the rotation, what are they going to try to uh, to get from Calvin Gelly? To my knowledge, he's a depth piece in an insurance policy because the Cavs don't have clarity on when Nance is going to get back, and they don't have clarity when it comes to Jared Allen because neither one is the typical injury. It's not a sprained ankle. No. It's not a sprained wrist. Nance is dealing with an undetermined illness. He got tested for like five different things. They all came back negative, I'm told. Um, Sources tell me that he has lost around 20 pounds. Oh, my God. Because of this illness. Um, It is really, really messed with him. He didn't turn the corner. He didn't start feeling better until two days ago, which was a positive. Um, But it's been really, really difficult. Wow. Wow. And then when it comes to Jared Allen, it's a concussion. And we yeah. know this. There's just no specific timeline when it comes to a concussion. I won't steal it. was the hit. You, you can say it. Yep. They're like snowflakes. Yeah. Some big, some small, some dissipate quickly, some linger. So depth piece for those two guys. And I texted with somebody in the front office today. And I asked why. And they responded, why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not take a look at this guy? We've got two open roster spots. Former first-round pick. Liked him in the 2019 draft. Hasn't had 
any opportunity with the Los Angeles Clippers throughout the course of his career because they were in a different position entirely. It wasn't about development. It wasn't about playing young guys. It was about championships. So maybe possibly if they need him, they can take a look at whether that talent is still there, whether that defensive upside is still there. I love that. Why not? (laughs) I mean, think about it. Last year, last year they signed Jordan Bell. And people yep. are like, oh, it's no big deal. And use Jordan Bell to get JaVale McGee, by the way. Yep. Um, you know, they had success converting Dean Wade into a regular NBA contract. Um, so take a swing and see what happens. That's the one thing that you can say about this front office, Hayden. And it doesn't mean that everything is going to connect that they swing at. But they'll take a swing with Andre Drummond and see what it looks like and see if it works. Right. They'll take a swing with a talent like Kevin Porter Jr. and see. They'll take a swing with Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney and Dean Wade. They'll keep trying um, because there's little downside to doing those kinds of things. No reason not to. Well, goodness, with, uh, you know, Larry Nance Jr., I mean, 20 pounds is a lot for an athlete. It was a round there. I don't want to say that it was 20. Well, right. e- either, in any case, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, and he's not, a, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a you know, a, a, in very good shape, muscular, right? But, like, he's not, like, he didn't really have any extra pounds to, like, you know, to, to lose. So, man, that's. You know, hopefully he'll get back. And do you think because, you know, because of the weight loss, I mean, and and just because he's been down for so long, it's going to take him, you know, a long time to um, to get back into basketball shape. Even it's got to be. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing that they want to be really careful about. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to play. He is eager to play. He's eager to return. I'm told it's unlikely to happen this weekend because of that, because yeah. they want him to put that weight back on because they want him to get his strength back and his conditioning back. They want all of those things to happen before they put him in a game environment. Because if you put anybody in a game environment before their body is ready, who knows what could happen. All right. Well, if anybody out there wants to send Larry Nance Jr. some healthy protein uh, shakes protein yeah some protein shakes and things to get to get that weight back up i'm sure i'm sure the cavaliers do a good enough job but certainly i'm thankful to hear that he's feeling better i mean that's got to be a scary situation where you don't really know what's going on and amidst covid and everything else you seem it seems to be you know that the, the only illness you can have these days is covid um Whereas, you know, that's not the reality at all. I mean, obviously, every other, you know, illness that can be transmitted certainly um, certainly is out there as well. So definitely wish Larry the best. Do you know um, who Bryson DeChambeau is? Of course. All right. So you know how Come on. during during his weight gain, remember they they did that um they did that segment. I forget who it was. I think maybe it was Amanda Balionis. They did that segment about him changing his diet and what he had for breakfast, lunch, dinner, after dinner, all those different things. And they broke it down. Yeah. Meal by meal. Um, Okay, I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at some here right now. Yes, go ahead. It was like five protein shakes a day, steak and eggs for dinner, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, I sent, I, I screen capped that. (laughs) <laughs> and I sent that text message to somebody close to Larry 
and said, get him on the Bryson plan. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's not going to be easy to put on that kind of weight in such a short amount of time or get that weight back, I should say, in that short of a time. Well, yeah, I mean, the Bryson model has certainly worked in terms of uh, getting some distance on the drives, but he also still, gained, still, still he also some gained like 15, 20 pounds of muscle. Yep. So still some struggles, though. Not perfect in terms of his golfing. Um, but yes, that would certainly help Larry Nance to, to get healthy muscle on on there uh, after all this illness. But get him on the Bryson plan. I like it. I like it. I mean, Bryson. he went from a medium, a medium polo to extra large in a summer or something like that. Guy is ridiculous. Five I protein shakes a day. Five I a day. I enjoy watching him play. I mean, a lot of people kind of seem to have this like yeah. vendetta against him because he didn't, he doesn't play golf the traditional way. And, yeah, whatever. You know, Rory didn't seem to like him too much. In term, I mean, but I I think he's enjoyable to watch. I really well, do. he is enjoyable to watch, but I get why people don't like him. He's a bit of a deep. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of somebody that we know well in here in Cleveland, but uh, <laughs> but I'll let it I'll let it fly. Um. All right. Uh, anything else before we go? I know you want to get on with your weekend. You got, you know, you, you want to rest up and all that good stuff. So, yeah, especially they have a back to back this weekend, which is just ridiculous. Brutal, brutal stretch. But, you know, the good news, I guess you get money and Tuesday off, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, Tuesday's a travel day, so it's not really off, but. All right, well, folks, uh, remember that you can sign up for Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month. You will get all of your Cavaliers insight, analysis, news, notes sent straight to your phone. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, look at the blue banner at the top of the page, click the banner, and you will get all of the info you need to sign up. So, again, Chris Fedor subtext, $3.99 a month, a 14-day free trial to start. Cleveland.com slash Cavs and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. In the meantime, keep going to Cleveland.com slash Cavs and reading Chris's great coverage from around the country. Uh, hey, can I give an example of yes, the text absolutely. that I sent? You're always welcome. This is more just me wanting to victory lap myself. Oh, great. Okay, good. All right, <laughs> never mind then. Stop. No. Right. April 3rd. April 3rd, I sent this text message. It is today is April 9th. It is. Two names to watch when it comes to the Cavs filling out the roster. Don't forget, they've got two open spots. Terrence Ferguson is one, and Fiondo Gabangeli is the other. The Cavs liked Gabangeli during the 2019 draft, but he's had a rough start to his career. He hasn't had an opportunity in Los Angeles. He's a name to watch. I know the Cavs still like him. Just keep that in mind. Six right. days later. There's the victory. There's the victory lap. He nailed it. He nailed it. So there you go. So you would have known about uh, Fiondu Cavangeli way back on April 3rd instead of April 9th. So um, definitely have to sign up for Chris's subtext again, $3.99 a month in a 14-day free trial. Cleveland.com slash Cavs and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Also want to, um, I don't know, Chris, I'm, I'm not the biggest hip-hop and art rap guy, but certainly DMX. Certainly DMX, a very difficult um, thing to learn about today. And, uh, you know, he's just, he had the iconic voice and had some really classic hits. So um, I wanted to mention him before we uh, we left the podcast today. Bummer. Yeah. It's crushing. Any, any he favorite was one song? of my faves. Any favorite songs? I mean, go down the list. Are you kidding me? 
<laughs> I don't know if you had like an undercover, like undercover hit that you liked or something. I don't know. No, you know me. I'm I'm <laughs> relatively commercial. You're. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a more accurate representation of you. <laughs> relatively commercial. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Because it's right, it's it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with it, but you're right. Relatively commercial. I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will come up with something off the wall, something that not everybody thinks about, and then I'm going to be the one that says Rough Riders Anthem. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say X going to give it to you. Well, I mean, classic, but yeah, I, I'm pretty. I'm and when it comes to that stuff, I'm I'm pretty vanilla too. I I really only know the hits, so. I, I am very commercial when it comes to uh, that. <laughs> but anyway, prayers and thoughts to his family. It's it's an awful situation, nonetheless. Um, don't mean to make light of it whatsoever. Uh, but Chris, no, thank not you at so all. Much. I mean, he was a legend, man. Like, it's been tough when it comes to rappers recently. Yeah. I still hear, um, I still hear Nipsey Hustle at a lot of NBA arenas, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, God dang, man. Yeah. Think about the music that he could be putting out. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I'm, no, I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot of DMX this weekend at uh, at, at Rock Mortgage Fieldhouse for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I forget what arena we were in. They started, I think it was Miami, actually, when the news hit that he was um, not doing well health-wise. Yeah. Miami started with, I think, three straight DMX songs. Wow. And I was like, yeah, that's the way to pay tribute. I liked it. And it was right when the teams came out, too. And you could tell that they were just into it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of those guys know or knew him. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a tough situation. But I still we'll go- have multiple albums. I Like, obviously, CDs? I don't listen to them. Yeah, CDs. Wow. Yeah. It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. Um, they're in this big case from my high school days, basically. I don't listen to them. I don't really have the means to listen to them. I can just pull them up on my phone. But they're there. It's like a 60-disc collect- case. They're collector's items. <laughs> I guess. Save them, man. Save them. You yeah. never know. I mean, LP kind of – or uh, uh, LP. Um, vinyl kind of made a comeback. You're right. That's true. So I mean, why couldn't why couldn't CDs make a comeback at some point? You know, kids are gonna kids twenty years from now are gonna be like, oh man, bring out the Sony Walkman. Let's listen to the you know, let's listen to DMX on the Sony Sony Walkman again. Yeah, gonna be crazy. So I would keep them. I would I tell people to keep all their all their CDs and stuff like that. Keep your old iPod One. (laughs) (laughs) Collector's value. Yeah. All right, now for real, Chris, go get out of here. We appreciate you. Um, right, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy this weather. I know the tribe is playing tonight, so uh, hopefully you'll be able to watch them and you know enjoy the sunshine for sure. Yep, sounds good, bud. All right, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Mining Gold Talk podcast. Again, sign up for Chris's subtext. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Read all of his fantastic work. And thank you so much for joining us. We will talk soon. Take care. Okay. <laughs>